This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, it's Wednesday, October the 5th. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. Hope you're okay. Coming up, you can hear about the artwork causing a bit of a storm in Margate, plus the Sheppey Prison, where stealthing is said to be at crisis point. And as train drivers strike again, we reveal how much they're paid and what they're asking for. But first, on today's episode, we're going to be making a quick visit to the Tory party conference in Birmingham because a big issue that's affected Kent for years has been talked about. As we've told you in previous episodes, more than 30,000 people have now crossed the channel to the county in small boats so far this year. That's the highest number ever. A record number of children have also made the dangerous journey since January without their mum or dad. So what's going to be done about it? Well, it's been an issue faced by several Home Secretaries who've announced various plans but had very little impact. Now it's the turn of Suella Braverman, who's taken over the role in Liz Truss's government. She made her big speech yesterday evening and this is what she had to say. This has gone on for far too long. But I have to be straight with you. There are no quick fixes and the problem is chronic. Organised criminal gangs are selling a lie to thousands of people. Many are drowning in the channel. Many are leaving a safe country like France and abusing our asylum system. So what's our plan? Firstly, our work with the French has prevented about half of all the crossings. Now, I know that that alone will not work. So I will work closely with the French to get more out of our partnership, both on the French coastline and further upstream against the organized criminal gangs. Secondly, we need to find a way to make the Rwanda scheme work. Thirdly, we need to do more to get asylum seekers out of hotels, currently costing the British taxpayer five million pounds a day. And fourth, We cannot allow a foreign court to undermine the sovereignty of our borders. For a few months ago, the European Court of Human Rights in Strasbourg did just that. By a closed process, with an unnamed judge and without any representation by the UK, a European court overrode our Supreme Court. And as a result, our first flight to Rwanda was grounded. We need to take back control. So conference, I will commit to you today that I will look to bring forward legislation to make it clear that the only route to the United Kingdom is through a safe and legal route. So if you deliberately enter the United Kingdom illegally from a safe country, you should be swiftly returned to your home country or relocated to Rwanda. That 
is where your asylum claim will be considered. Well, it's not gone down that well with one Kent MP in particular, North Thanet's Sir Roger Gale, accused her of using a childish rewrite of failed UKIP soundbites. This is what he tweeted last night. The new Home Secretary's dog whistle response to illegal immigration may play well at a party conference, but what is needed is a mature and realistic response to a very real international problem, not a childish rewrite of failed UKIP soundbites. And let's get more reaction now. Enver Solomon is the chief exec of the Refugee Council. Well, I think it's a further desperate attempt by the Home Secretary uh, with this government lurching from crisis management to crisis management to try and deal with what is a complex problem. Channel crossings is a challenge. We don't want people to be risking their lives making very dangerous journeys coming across the channel. But seeking to simply rely on further enforcement, further tougher legal uh, rules and legal uh, regulations and legal changes will not stop the flow of people because this is a problem which affects the whole of Europe. Many more are are crossing the Mediterranean into Europe. Many more are losing their lives tragically crossing the Mediterranean. And what that means is that we we need a more sophisticated response that isn't simply headline grabbing, that is about getting around the table with France and our European neighbours to come up with shared solutions. Shared solutions that look at how decisions can be made, cases can be screened when they arrive in Europe, when they arrive in northern France, so they don't have to make the journey across the channel. And critically, also more safe routes so people can apply for asylum at consulates, UK consulates across Europe or across the world. Well, we know this is an incredibly divisive topic. Lots of you have been commenting on our Facebook. Chris Allen says it means nothing changes, just mere words and a failure to deliver, just like her predecessor. Lynn Smith has added, this woman is brave and right. We can't have open borders, not only on an infrastructure practical level, but on a national security risk level too. Bring it on. Janet Saunders says, at least there's some sense within the Tory party in Sir Roger's words, Braffman ought to know better that she can't deny people the right to apply for asylum unless she plans to withdraw the UK from the Geneva Convention and break international law. She seems to think she's above the law. Finally, Richard Bryant has added, we need action, not words. Well, you can also have a say on our socials today. And if you're on our Facebook as well, you can see the hundreds of comments after we asked what song you thought Liz Truss should walk on to stage two for her big speech at the party conference earlier today. We were told it was going to be a 90s classic. You had plenty of suggestions. Well, it turned out to be this. We've since found out the founder of M People says they're livid their track was used You can read more about what Liz Truss had to say and the interruption during her speech by heading to the national pages of Kent Online. You can also read on the local section our analysis of her speech. Kent Online News.
Some other top stories for you today. And a man's been arrested after a woman was sexually assaulted in Rochester. She was attacked inside a vehicle near the A226 in the early hours of yesterday. Police are questioning a man in his 30s from London. Meantime, police investigating a fatal crash in Dover want to speak to the driver of a white Audi A7. The car was in the area at the time of the collision on the A20 near the port on Monday night. A motorcyclist in his 30s was pronounced dead at the scene. An investigation into the illegal breeding and selling of dogs on Romney Marsh has led to 65 being found living in poor conditions. Officers from the Council Police and the RSPCA raided former pigsties, stables and a static caravan on land off Hope Lane in St Mary in the Marsh. Two dogs have been treated for serious conditions and are being cared for elsewhere. So far, no arrests have been made. A Gravesend mum's been banned from driving for 12 months after eating a cannabis brownie at a barbecue. Officers found Crystal Reynolds to be four times over the legal limit after a drugs test when they pulled her over in Rathmore Road in May, still smelling of weed. A court heard she'd previously taken cannabis oil. The 36-year-old from Lander Close has also been fined at £110. Next today, and a report's warned staffing at a prison on the Isle of Sheppey has reached crisis point. Inspectors went to HMP Swaleside in July and found officers were exhausted, under pressure and on the brink of resignation. It was a follow-up visit after they initially raised concerns the previous October. Well, levels of violence also remained high and rehabilitation and release planning was said to be poor, the lowest grade possible. Well, I've been speaking to Rob Priest, who's from the Howard League for Penal Reform. I mean, this is a follow-up report, really, on an inspection that was conducted uh, at Swaleside in October last year. And at that time, the inspectors were very concerned to find that Swaleside only had three quarters of all the officers it needed to run a safe and purposeful regime. So nine months on, they've gone back into the prison to look at what's changed, and lo and behold, it's got worse. So we're now at two-thirds uh, of the desired workforce to, to get Swaleside running as it should. And what that means is that people are stuck in their cells for hours on end with nothing to do, and that will ultimately lead to uh, more crime. I was going to say, what impact does that have? I mean, does it create a bit of a pressure cooker environment when people are kept in those confined spaces for for longer than would ordinarily be um, deemed appropriate, I suppose? Well, we see from today's report that that, uh, men in Swaleside are concerned for their safety, Um, The one bright spot in the report is that self-harm appears to have gone down, but also in that period, um, four people lost their lives through suicide. And then two months after the inspection, uh, a fifth man sadly lost his life through suicide. So very, very concerning there. What does it mean when people are locked inside their cells for hours on end? Well, obviously, they're not getting involved in any education, uh, employment training, exercise, all the things that are very very important for their mental health, but also for learning and developing the life skills that they'll require when they come to release in order to find work on the outside. And when you have people locked inside their cells for that period of time, it does increase the tension. It's not preparing people for their release, and it's not setting people up to succeed when they come uh, to be returned to the community. So I think the lesson from this is that we need to ensure that prisons are properly resourced, But we also need to row back a bit because the government right now has plans to build more prisons and wants to expand the prison population uh, by 20,000. That's about 25 percent. 
uh, by the early part of 2026. And we're having reports like Swaleside say that there aren't people working in prisons to look after everyone at the moment. So how can we possibly embark on a big prison expansion plan when there aren't enough people to look after the people that are currently in the system? So we need to row back on that. And we need to accept that if we continue to pile more and more demand on this creaking system, it will lead to more problems. And those problems will spill out from prisons into communities in the long run. The prison governor was unable to comment. The Ministry of Justice have also been asked for a response. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with car dealerships in Canterbury and Maidstone. A Kent man's been convicted of trying to kill another man after stabbing him 12 times. A jury at Canterbury Crown Court heard how Abdul Malik invited the victim to his home on Dimchurch High Street before attacking him in January. But the 29-year-old's been cleared of sexually assaulting him. He's due to be sentenced for attempted murder in December. A suspected drug dealer's been charged after police discovered wraps of crack cocaine and heroin in Gillingham. Playing clothed officers arrested the 16-year-old after searching him in Cross Street last Friday. They also found more drugs at a property nearby and arrested another two teenage boys. They've since been released under investigation. A Folkestone care home's been placed into special measures after being rated inadequate by inspectors. The Care Quality Commission's found a number of issues at Pelham House, which supports those living with dementia, were putting people at risk. That included medication not always being given out, people not receiving consistent care and accidents weren't always recorded. However, staff have been praised for knowing how to raise safeguarding concerns. Sticking with safeguarding and the Bishop of Dover has apologised on behalf of the church after a major report into allegations of abuse was published. Independent reviewers have been looking into nearly a thousand clergy, employee and safeguarding files as part of a much wider review by the Church of England. Well, a total of 10 cases were felt to require further action, which has now been taken. This is what Rose Hudson-Wilkin has had to say. The past cases review view two reports from the National Church and our local executive summary report are two key documents in the life of our church. They demonstrate how safeguarding has changed not only in our church but in our nation over the past few decades. And they show where we have got things wrong and where we still need to learn vital lessons to care for and protect all those with whom we come into contact. To all those who have been let down or even harmed by our church, I want to acknowledge that sometimes we have failed to protect people or to take the right action at the right time. For that, we are deeply and truly sorry. Kent Online reports. There haven't been any trains running in Kent today as another strike has been taking place. Drivers have walked out as part of an ongoing dispute over pay. The Aslef Union, which represents them, wants their wages to keep up with the rising cost of living. I've been chatting to Graham Morris, who's from the union. My drivers on, or Aslef members on South Eastern, have not had a pay rise since 2019. 
And for the responsibilities they have in, in comparison to other sort of rail workers, train drivers in, in, in this part of the world, they're the slowest paid train drivers of the lot. Um, we've got train drivers at Thameslink, which also cover parts of Kent, who are on £15,000 a year more than, than my southeastern members. Um, that doesn't distract from the fact that, that you know, they also haven't had a pay rise since 2019. And um, it's quite possible that they will be taking action as well in, in the very near future. Could you give us some kind of ballpark figure as to what a, a train driver in South Eastern would be getting paid and, and what you think they should be getting paid? Because for an awful lot of us, we, we haven't got a clue what sort of figures we're talking about here. OK, let's give you that. So, so a train driver on, on a South Eastern driver is on a basic salary of 54,000, I think 54,415, um, I think. So it's about 55,500, 54,500. Um, and as I say, when you compare that with one of the other companies that I, I'm the official for, which is Southwestern, which is another one, Southwestern Railway, which runs out of Waterloo, which is a similar sort of company. They do exactly the same, same sort of terms, conditions. And their basic salary is now 70,000. So quite considerably more. Now, I know people will be saying, okay, you know, that's a very good salary. But, you know, the, the fact is that everybody's hurting at the moment. Everybody in this country has been affected by, the, the, you know, the, the, the economic shock we've had, the, the, you know, rising fuel bills, inflation. And, and quite clearly, you know, we believe they just need a, a, a proper terms pay rise that brings them up to where they should be. And, you know, for my purpose, you know, that means an inflation, at least an inflation pay rise. You say there an awful lot of people might say, goodness me, that's actually a very good salary. I mean, yeah, that is probably my first thought, to be fair. But can you tell us a bit about the pressures of that job and, and those sorts of elements? And, and aside from the cost of living, why you think they deserve that higher salary as well? OK, so, so it's not that long ago, you know, that these people are key workers. They worked all the way through the pandemic. You know, they lost family members. So, you know, they're no different to other, other public sector workers who actually kept the country running for two years. So it wasn't that long ago, we was all stood at our doorsteps clapping these people. And now we've got people, certainly in government, you know, just want to attack us, say that we're now, you know, greedy train drivers. And what we're looking for is a sensible cost of living pay increase. And let's put this into perspective. These, these people are driving, you know, 12 carriage trains on their own. Nobody else responsible. So, you know, if you could, I'm, I'll make a comparison with airlines where you get on a plane, there's probably half a dozen staff on a plane with probably, you know, quarter of the people actually using that that, that um, aircraft. So these are people with a higher degree of responsibility. It takes over 12 months to be, at least 12 months, to train to be a train driver. So, you know, it's a highly responsible job. It's also a position that, you know, that they're working all hours of the day. This isn't a nine till five job. You know, one week they may be starting a shift at four or five o'clock in the morning. The next week they're finishing at maybe two, midnight, one o'clock in the morning. So, you know, this is a very intense position. And as I say, you know, they are the only people responsible on a 12 carriage train, you know, for the public. So it is a very, very responsible job. And, you know, they could be having up to, you know, 1,200 people responsible for just one individual. You mentioned the pandemic a little while ago. It, obviously, it was a time of, of huge change and an awful lot of us got used to different working patterns. And I think that's been reflected in the amount of people using trains and perhaps from Kent in particular, travelling up to London. Do you feel that you are getting as much support for the action that you're taking and what you're asking for with fewer people travelling by train? Or, or do you feel that these strikes aren't maybe having the impact that they would have done if they'd happened, say, three or four years ago? Yeah, you know, I think we fully appreciate that that you know methods of working in, in certainly in the city 
um, have changed. Uh, and yes, and they, they have made may may have ways around um, the major impact of strikes. But ultimately, you know, well, we have no other option. You know, we can't just sit back and say we're going to accept. You know, my members on southwest on southeastern, sorry, you know, fifteen thousand pound a year lower than than other drivers. That isn't acceptable. But in terms of the, the you know, what's happened post pandemic. You know, I'm sure people will see, you know, the footfall is creeping up again quite considerably. You know, I'm someone who uses the trains quite regularly, as you can imagine. So, you know, I certainly sense that the, um, yeah, the, the, the public are starting to come back on the railway. And in in terms of public support, you know, I've, I've visited most or well, quite a few picket lines on on strike days. Uh, and I can honestly say, with one exception, you know, the, 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 the support has always been there. People, I think, recognise and probably, you know, would like to be in a position where, where we have... Um, you know, a, a collective response to, to this situation in terms of us being the trade union and, and taking collective action. We can do something for our members. And there are lots of other people in other industries who just don't have that ability or that facility to do so. So I think, you know, most people are saying, you know, yeah, good luck to you. I wish we could do the same. And hopefully if you are successful, you know, we may benefit as a result of that. Now, we did contact the Department for Transport, but haven't heard back from them as yet. There'll also be another rail strike on Saturday. Now, that one involves members of the RMT union and means South Eastern will be running just a limited service. Don't forget, you can keep up to date on Travel News by following the traffic blog on Kent Online. You can also get regular updates on our sister radio station, KMFM. This is one of our most read stories today. A Gillingham woman has had to celebrate her wedding alone after her husband was unable to get a visa in time. Hazel Taylor tied the knot after meeting her partner in Abu Dhabi and planned to celebrate with friends and family back here in the UK. But the party had to happen without him as home office delays meant the paperwork wasn't completed by September. Well, if you head to the story on Kent Online today, you can see video of the wedding and read about the problems that they've encountered. Well, we have been in touch with the home office and a spokesman has said all visa applications are carefully considered on their own merits and we endeavour to consider them as quickly as possible. It seems it depends whereabouts you live in Kent as to how much you end up paying for petrol. We've analysed prices across the county and found a difference of more than 12p a litre between the cheapest area of Medway and Canterbury, which was the most expensive. There was also an east-west divide too, with those in the east facing higher bills. Now, a lot of it comes down to local competition, with garages trying to keep up with each other. You can follow us on socials and let us know how much you're paying. We'd love to hear from you. Kent Online reports. Now, you may remember if you tuned into the podcast last week that we told you about some public art that's gone on display in Margate. Well, we've now heard that people living near one piece of that artwork in particular have described it as an eyesore and think it'll lead to more graffiti. The spray-painted mural is on the side of a house in Caroline Square and is part of this trail around the town raising awareness of plastic pollution in our oceans. The work has been done by artist Martin Watson and he's been describing it. For this wall, I'm painting a whale doing a deep dive into the ocean. This colourful background is supposed to represent water, but it's also supposed to represent how we as humans are putting our mark on nature. As artists, and especially as street artists, we have a platform where we can um, use our voices to inform people and change their mind about uh, pollution in the oceans or other themes that's important to us. 
However, neighbours say it doesn't compare to the other paintings around the town and has ruined the white wall that was there before. We'd love to know what you think today. You can see the picture by heading to the story at Kent Online and have your say by commenting. One of Kent's newest sports parks has revealed a new county-first attraction. White Mills Wakewater and Aquaparks in Sandwich is opening a cableway, which is basically a pulley-based stunt course that helps wakeboarders reach new heights. It's open from today until at least December. we got pictures of it on the website. And official plans meantime for a new hotel and surf park near Deal are being considered. The Sea Hive at Betts Hanger Country Park would include an artificially created wave pool which is only the second of its kind in England. Developers also want to build a restaurant, skate park and BMX track. And finally, it's that time of year again. The most popular baby names have been revealed for the sixth year in a row. Olivia is at number one for the girls, while Noah takes the top spot for the boys, replacing Oliver. Beatrice, Kai and Tobias are among the new top 100 entries. Kent Online Sport. Football and Gillingham have beaten Brighton and Hove Albion's under-21s in the EFL Trophy. Their latest group match at Priestfield finished 3-2 to the Jills last night. Lewis Walker scored two of the goals and says it was a really good evening. I know it's um, it's, a, it's a cup game, so maybe deemed less important as, as a league game. Um, but it's always nice to you know carry on that momentum. Um, I thought we had a really good win on Saturday and then to back it up today is um, is a really good feeling in the dressing room. You want to score in every game you play. Um, I feel like I, um, I I always believe in myself. I'm always confident. Um, I've had a few chances um, which luck maybe or I should have done better with maybe a bit of both. But um, it, it never plays on my mind in a negative way. Um, I think we, we definitely create more chances as a team now. Um, so it, it's really... It's really, it's it's never really a negative thing, you know. You you look at the games um, when I'm when I'm on the sideline or whatever, and I and I feel like I can, I can come in and and kind of contribute. Obviously, the games coming thick and fast. Um, I just want to be available, and um, I feel really good. I feel like um, the the lads kind of we're we're, we're dwelling as a group a bit more um, now, definitely. Um, and I mean that the forwards that we've got in Kashi and Mika and and Joey Youngster as well. Like we're 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 quite a threat, I'd say. I always um, try and be positive, you know. Yeah. We have a really positive dressing room, so it's not the hardest. It's not the hardest place to work. Um, just all I can do is um, try and get in the right areas, you know. If the if the ball doesn't come or unlock, there's nothing you can do. All you can do is is get in the right areas. Mika mm-hmm. um, put another great ball in, um, which I didn't attack very well. But those sort of ones will play on my mind because um, you want to obviously improve you know and that's mm. something that I probably could improve on. Jill's assistant manager David Livermore also spoke to us after the game. Obviously delighted with the result um, we knew it would be a tough game Brighton got some very promising young players um, so we knew it would be tough um, yeah we had an idea of what minutes we wanted players to play tonight um, yeah and it's, a, it's a, I think it's a great opportunity to see some of our own youngsters on the pitch but also for lads that haven't played minutes recently to get some minutes under their belts as well. For them youngsters today, it's, it's an opportunity for them to impress, uh, and I thought they did. If I'm honest with you, I thought, I thought Chamber come on and set the game down for us, got hold of the ball, um, gave us a little bit of drive, as, as did DJ. Um, you know, young Joe come on and puts a centre half on his backside straight away, which, you know, which is, you know, which is what we want. You know, we want we want we want young lads to come on and make an impact, um, and they certainly did that. So, um, you know, they just give the gaffer a little nudge and say, look, you know, I'm here. Um, if needed, so I think they—I don't think they've done their chances any harm tonight. First and foremost, we wanted to follow 
uh, the weekend's result with another positive result tonight. So that's pleasing to get back-to-back wins. But yeah, um, we're under no illusions. Obviously, Crew will be. It's an important game, like they all are. Um, play in a similar in a similar manner to to Brighton today. So um, you know, we'll do we'll do our homework. We'll get the lads set up properly and um, make sure we're freshen up towards the weekend. And yeah, for for the gaffer, there is I think off the back of tonight. Um, you know, I think there's one or two are knocking on the door. When you've got a small squad anyway, you have got one or two injuries, you, you can look at this tournament and just say, mm, uh, at times it can be, it can look like a hindrance, but we just said there on the bench with five minutes ago, it's actually, you know, in some ways the, the positives of tonight are, are are the young lads coming on, or Lewis Walker getting a couple of goals, um, and, and obviously coming from behind. Um, obviously we're disappointed with two goals we conceded, but I think there was a lot of positives tonight. So if we hadn't played... You know, it doesn't put them sort of um, them doubts in not doubts, but like I said earlier, it's one or two lads have put themselves in a position where I'm sure they come into the gaffer's thoughts now. The Jules final group game is next Tuesday, but before that they have a trip to Crew Alexandra in League Two this weekend. And a community organisation near Ashford that gives out meals to children during the school holidays has received funding to continue their work. Sport on Your Doorstep is based in Stanhope and aims to support families with their Fit and Fed initiative as well as a weekly youth programme. They've been given more than £9,000 by the Kent Community Foundation. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and TikTok. You can also get access to the ad-free Kent Online premium site. To do that, you need to subscribe. Just head to kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online podcast. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall.